0: This is Capital and Scott. I'm Laura Farrar. The United Methodist Church has been deeply divided for years over the issue of homosexuality. Progressive factions have argued to allow gay marriage and clergy, while traditionalists are opposed to it. The disagreement over gay rights within the United Methodist Church has caused a number of more conservative congregations in Arkansas and around the country to want to leave. Arkansas Democrat Gazette religion editor Frank Lockwood attended the Arkansas United Methodist annual conference last week in Hot Springs. He joins me today to share the latest with the Methodist and ongoing negotiations for a split. So welcome to the show, Frank. Good morning. Starting um, with this issue with the Methodist Church, can you just sort of fill people in on what exactly has been going on in recent months?
1: Well, the Methodist Church appears to be about ready to split. This isn't the first time that's happened. It happened uh, before the Civil War. But it appears that hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people will be leaving. Uh, Hundreds, if not thousands, of churches will go. There will be Arkansas churches that will go and Arkansas people that will go, including, it appears, uh, some of the largest churches in the state.
0: What's a little bit of the context for this? So this has been a conversation that's been going on for several years within the Methodist Church. What's been driving the fact that people want this kind of schism to, to happen? What's, what's the, the history of it?
1: Well, I'm not going to ask uh, either of your ages, but I assume this uh, debate started before you were born. Sometimes I feel like, like it'll continue after we die, that it's just never going to end. But um, it's been going a long time. Every four years, the United Methodist Church has a general conference. They all get together and uh, meet, and they talk about church business. And every four years, they talk about human sexuality. They have this debate every four years. It's, it's like the Groundhog movie, only it's church. And instead of every day being February 2nd, it's every day is let's talk about this issue. And people on both sides of it, I think, are, are tired of it. They're sick of it. They're frustrated with each other. And they just want it to stop.
0: So the issue is just something based upon an interpretation of the Bible or not wanting um, the more conservative side sort of being more against LGBTQ rights and a more liberal side, not caring so much. What's been driving the debate and is this, from what I've been reading, this is the main issue at least recently that's just causing people to want to split, is that correct?
1: Well, you have some folks that, you know, they get out their Bible and and they're convinced that it teaches that um, human sexuality is one man and and one woman united in marriage, and they can point to the scriptures and quote them. There is another side that um, believes that we need to be acknowledging where we're at in culture, where we're at uh, with what we know about human sexuality, and... um, they want the church to be very welcoming and inclusive. So there's kind of this this uh, face-off.
0: So Frank, I think it was last week, correct me if I'm wrong, that you were in Hot Springs mm-hmm. at a Methodist conference, but this, this one seemed more prescient because of discussion of a split perhaps, or maybe it always they're always talking about it, but what exactly transpired last week in, in Hot Springs and what was the significance of that in terms of this whole ongoing debate?
1: Sure, like I said, every four years, there's this debate. And every four years, the progressives try to make the church more accepting of gays in ministry, equality in marriage, those sorts of things. Every year, they lose. Now, here's the interesting thing. The Americans in the United Methodist Church, a majority of them favor gay marriage, uh, ordination of gay priests, or I'm sorry, ministers, but the church also has a lot of delegates from overseas, especially from Africa. And so when the, the African delegates and the traditionalist American delegates get together, they constitute a majority. And so the, the progressives are hitting their head against the wall and uh, basically they, uh, people from both sides came up with an idea Let's reach an amicable parting. Let's come up with something that'll work. And they announced it in January of 2020, and then COVID hit. Everything shut down. Now the, now the bargain can't be done unless you get it approved. And it has to be approved by um, at General Conference. But you know they had to cancel it in 2020. They had to cancel it in 2021. They were gonna have it in 2022, and now they've pushed it back to 2024. So uh, the people that thought this will be resolved soon, are just in limbo. And um, what happened in Hot Springs, they tried to come up with a way that would make it easier for traditionalists to leave. But there was a motion from the floor to hold off, and so the, the plan that they'd come up with was, was tabled, was uh, deferred. And uh, so that was very frustrating for, for the traditionalists.
0: And so is this encompassing of all the churches, the Methodist churches in Arkansas right now? That's the, at least the, the decision for the time being? Am I understanding you correctly with that in terms of what they decided last week in Hot Springs, which was to, you said, hold off for the time being?
1: Yes. They're waiting for a, a ruling from the church's judicial council. There are questions about whether this plan that they were discussing, which would have made it easier for churches to go, uh, whether it is legal under church law. So the suggestion was, let's wait until we know whether this plan is legal and then we can move from there. Uh, the other side said, well, we can pass it contingent on it being legal so that we're not in limbo so that once the decision made, we can move forward. But now the timetable is you know, completely unknown, I think.
0: So with these international conventions or conferences, when you said that the overseas churches and the traditionalists tend to ally with each other and they, they win over the more progressives in terms of the gay issue, what does that mean in terms of the status of gay clergy in the Methodist church right now?
1: The Book of Discipline, which is the church's law and doctrine, contains the law and doctrine, addresses this in a few places. And it gets tweaked every, every four years, it seems like. But it says, and I'm going off the top of my head, but the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. It also says that self-avowed, Practicing homosexuals cannot be ordained into the ministry. It has another clause that was added that essentially says marriage is one man and one woman and that's it. This is the law of the church. The problem for traditionalists is in uh, implementation because you have conferences that say this is immoral. You know, this is, it's wrong to treat gays and lesbians and transgender Methodists in this fashion. And we will defy church law in order to do what we believe is right. And so you go to these conferences, you pass something, no, no gay bishops, no gay ministers, no gay marriage. And then you go home and you see they're doing it anyway. And so the frustration level for the traditionalists, they believe the other side doesn't respect church law. They flout church law. The other side says these folks are opposed to civil rights. You now it's it's civil rights for gay and lesbian Methodists, but it's the same kind of principle. So it uh, it's very frustrating, I would say for everybody.
0: So because they're having to wait until there's clearer answers, I mean, just is there a lot of conflict within congregations right now? How does this play out in terms of every Sunday people going to church or just other activities surrounding Methodist churches in Arkansas? I mean, how how has this impacted just, I guess, generally churchgoers and clergy and and whatnot?
1: Well, the first thing is uh, there are something like 630 United Methodist churches in the state. And my understanding is only 35 of them have entered the formal disaffiliation process. So tiny fraction, but there's some pretty big churches in there. Uh, Jonesboro, First United Methodist Church is the second biggest church in the state. I think its weekly attendance is 1500 plus. You have some other churches that are thinking about this, I think in Cabot, in Circe. Uh, there's one in Van Buren, Heber Springs, and some of these are churches where there's 400 or 500 people uh, worshiping every year or no every week and uh, up at Central in Fayetteville which is the largest they haven't entered the disaffiliation process but they're they're talking about where do we go from here so um, there's uncertainty in, in that congregation so If you lose some of your biggest members, your membership's going down, your giving's going down as far as a conference. So there's uncertainty for everybody.
0: Right, so what does this mean beyond just the ideological splits between the more conservative and liberal sides? These churches are property, they have property value. Like you said, there's funding that comes into play. I don't know what other considerations there are, but I would think that these might be issues for the church I don't know, organization or whatnot, because what, I mean, what does it mean if a church leaves? Does that mean that there's some sort of overarching body that loses real estate in the deal as well? I mean, what else is at stake here, I suppose, is the, the question.
1: Well, traditionalist congregations want to leave, and they want to bring the building with them. They want to bring the church's assets with them. The church has been, uh, people in the church have been trying to come up with some kind of accommodation. Uh, One of the concerns is uh, pensions. You know, okay, if we let you leave, our pension fund is underfunded, uh, and something happens, we're stuck with all the underfunded pension for the ministers that you had. And so that's one of the sticking points that they have to work out. How do you deal with the underfunded pension? Do you make the church come up with all the money that theoretically could be needed in the future for the pension, to get it up to properly funded levels, or do you let the church say, "I'm going to get the legal stuff, legal terms wrong, but you give us the paperwork so that, you know, you can't sell the church. Uh, we have rights to the money if something happens," uh, and that's one of the things they're trying to work out.
0: Also what does it mean leave? I mean does that mean that they're going to start a new denomination? Is it will be called something differently? What, what exactly happens?
1: May 1st they started something called the Global Methodist Church and it's meant to be kind of a, a body where these departing congregations can go. Theoretically a church that leaves could go to the Global Methodist Church, this traditionalist alternative, theoretically i think they could go to another wesleyan tradition church uh, i've been told that uh, church of the nazarene uh, the holiness movement uh, from the 19th century that it would be an option there are landing places it can go and exactly where it goes is uncertain at this point
0: is there any type of i mean you know, in history classes we hear about all kinds of schisms with religion, you know, historically, but in recent history is there something else we can turn to in terms of churches splitting up like this?
1: Yeah, churches is splitting is, is old news, you're right, but uh, there have been more recent examples, and one of the great ones is the Episcopal Church USA.
0: And so what happened with the Episcopals? Well,
1: in 2003 they elected in New Hampshire uh, an openly gay bishop and there was a debate over whether an, an openly gay bishop was um, qualified to serve in that position. They had a debate. It was spirited and it was not terribly lopsided, but the progressive won. And when that happened, churches began trying to break away. In fact, entire dioceses began trying to, to, take, to break away and litigation followed. And I I believe there's still litigation going on now, uh, you know, almost 20 years later.
0: What kind of litigation would even be involved with a situation like this?
1: Well, you look at the church law, you look at what the fine print says in the property papers. Does the local congregation own and control the building themselves, the assets? Or are they held in trust on behalf of a national or international denomination. So that's the big sticking point. And then courts get brought into the mess, and courts hate it. I mean, judges really hate it, because do you really want to be sitting there, a United States judge, hearing religious arguments, and trying to decide points of doctrine? you know? So they really try to avoid the points of doctrine, and they have different legal principles. One of them is the, the neutral principles of law. We're not going to get into the doctrine stuff. We're just going to look at, you know, what the, what the paperwork actually says. So that that is one thing. But then the argument is, is this the type of denomination that's hierarchical? You know, in the Catholic Church, easy call. We know who runs the Catholic Church. No debate. But in other churches, they argue, well, is this really a top-down type of church, or is it a bottom-up church? And, um, you know, sometimes they go to court to argue that out. And here's another one. We started our church in 1835. This particular provision was not part of the church when we opened our doors. This is something the Nashville Church came up with later, and we never agreed to it. And so they'll have those kinds of arguments.
0: We'll be right back with more Capital & Scott. Hi, this is Laura Ferrar. The stories we dive into on Capital & Scott are just a fraction of the reporting the Democrat Gazette brings to readers every day. If you'd like to support our commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette with your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras like this podcast, all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call one 800 482 11 or visit us online at arkansalonline.com forward slash subscribe welcome back to Capital and scott before we were started recording you and i had a discussion about sort of talking about why people go to church or you know generationally why people have gone to church i know that from reading stories out in the past six months to a year that a lot of churches a lot of denominations are having declining congregates Um, young people aren't going and i would imagine an issue surrounding lgbtq rights might sort of further drive certain younger populations away perhaps Mm -hmm. so i wanted to see what your take on on that was you mentioned Sort of, you know, looking at, you know, why do you go to church or why do people go to church now versus older generations? How how does that fit into this debate?
1: Well, why you're going to church could make a major impact on whether you want to leave the Methodist Church or not. You know, if you believe the Bible says thus, and that the, the national church is going another direction, you may say, nothing else matters. I mean, I want to be faithful to Scripture. This is what I believe Scripture says. This is what I believe the tradition of the church is. And I'm willing to make this the. I'm willing to leave over this. Then you have other people that are like, well, you know, the Bible is a wonderful book. It was written 2,000 years ago. I love it. I respect it. But. In the Methodist tradition, we don't go just on the Bible. We go on tradition and we go on reason. And um, so they say, no, look, we, we need to bring what we know in today's society and have that inform how we go. And we're willing to stay or leave over it. Uh, and then you have another group, and that's the group of, my mama went to this church. My grandma went to this church. I was married in this church. My dad's funeral was in this church. His ashes are in back in the columbarium. My great-great-grandfather donated money for that stained glass window, and you can see his name right there. This is where my friends are. And uh, this is where I get comfort. This is where, if I get sick and go to the hospital, these are the people that come and visit me. And uh, you know, if, if I have a loved one die, these are the people that bring me a casserole. And I just have all these memories of this building and of these people, and this is home. And those are the people that are in some ways stuck in the, in the middle. And, and granted, whether you're a traditionalist or a progressive, these emotional, heartfelt things are in play in all this. And, and that's why it's painful. I mean, when there's a church split, people hurt. It is absolutely painful, whether you win, whether you lose. It's like a divorce, only a, you know a divorce with um, you know miters and and incense and candles maybe, but but it's it's like a divorce, and um, it can just tear people and tear communities apart.
0: So there's about I read 13 million Methodists around the world, half roughly in the United States, half roughly overseas. You mentioned that the overseas congregations, particularly maybe out of Africa, tend to be more conservative in their thinking. And so that is what actually overrules maybe some of the votes or whatnot from the United States side. Is there been any discussion on whether that should just be separated because we're talking about completely different cultures and history with the church and whatnot that maybe there should be different some overseas uh, congregations shouldn't maybe have influence on what's going on in the United States at all? Is there, have you heard anything like that? I'm just curious.
1: You know, I would love to go back in the time machine and talk to the Methodist that came up with this idea for making it international because I'm, my hunch is that where their heart was at was we want to be a church where borders don't matter where um, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, skin color shouldn't separate us, language shouldn't separate us. So I think they probably really like the idea of a diverse church believing that it reflected what Christ wants and what heaven's gonna look like. It does now kind of look like the world looks like, uh, you know, it's, it's a diverse place. But the people that have been brought in don't necessarily share the views of the uh, Methodist in, in more progressive parts of the country. And and that's, that's where you're at. The church is very diverse, but the folks that are from overseas tend to be traditionalist.
0: There was news that I read about Georgia, for example. I think there was something like 70 churches that either voted to split or are leaving Why are they able to do that now, or are they doing that now versus churches in Arkansas that are choosing a more of a wait-and-see approach? Do you know anything about what's going on in other states versus here?
1: I think I did read very recently about a church in Georgia, and I think they reached some kind of court settlement, and they said, we'll pay a bunch of money if you'll just let us leave. This is going to play out. In conference after conference in church after church you will have conferences where where the majority of the conference wants to leave and the entire conference attempts to pull out I believe in other places uh, there'll be some churches that want to come and some churches that want to go and the role of the bishop is very important because if the bishop wants to see a peaceful parting he has a lot of power to help that happen if the bishop wants to prevent this, has a lot of ability to derail it. And I think the the thought in Arkansas is, this bishop has said, you know, I want people to get where they need to be to uh, serve God and and uphold the gospel. And I wanna make sure the the church's legitimate interest, financial interests, and whatnot, that those are covered. But ultimately, let's let's do this in a way that doesn't shame the church, doesn't bring dishonor on Christ. That is the message that's coming from from the Methodist bishop in Arkansas. There are other places where the bishop may say, we're gonna keep everybody here at all cost. You know, knock down, drag out. And bishops get to decide, um, assign where ministers go. So uh, I suppose, theoretically, a a bishop could say, uh, oh, you're at a Methodist megachurch. Uh, uh, Guess what? You're going to uh, ecclesiastical Siberia. You know, (laughs) you're going to be going to the middle of nowhere. And so there's a lot of worry. The bishop here could be reassigned. There's uncertainty. And what if we get a bishop that wants to make our life difficult as opposed to one that, you know, we feel is working with us in good faith. And so that's another unknown in all of this. A bishop has great authority, whether the bishop is traditionalist or progressive. And um, the role that they play in this, I would think would be very important.
0: Have we seen any of that play out in in Arkansas at at this point? Any indication of shifts and changes because of progressive versus traditionalist? Churches having any anybody being shifted around or anything obvious at this point.
1: Bishop Mueller has been here for uh, a decade. Everybody knows him.
0: Uh, and what is the bishop here in Arkansas? What is his full name again? Gary Mueller. And so you said he's been around for?
1: He's been here for a decade. People know him. People I talk to seem to respect him. Whether they're traditionalists, whether they're they're progressive, he seems to have solid relationships with ministers in, in the conference. And there's a comfort level, you know, we know this guy. And uh, when he talks about these issues, he, the message he brings sounds very uh, conciliatory. He doesn't say this side is good and this side is bad. His message is let's treat everybody with respect. Let's treat everybody like they're brothers and sisters in Christ, not enemies. And the other thing he has said and emphasized is uh, the world's going to be watching what we do. He said, poll after poll shows that respect for Christianity is dropping. And I'm paraphrasing, but you know, uh, the world's not going to care very much about your precise dogma, your precise theological underpinnings. They're going to they're look at what you do, how you behave, what, what they see reflected in you. And so uh, be aware of that.
0: Circling back to the beginning of the conversation in Arkansas for the time being, things are going to stay the same for the 600 or so churches. No one's leaving right now. Do we think that's going to stay the same until you said I think 2024 when the national or the international convention happens or could something change next year?
1: Well, once the Judicial Council of the Church rules uh, they could have a special uh, conference to have people in Arkansas discuss this, as I understand it, or they could wait until next year's annual conference. And it's, it's a little bit unclear what's going to happen now because there are avenues to leave other than the one that was being discussed at, at um, annual conference last week. It's more difficult, it's more challenging and I'm not sure precisely what's gonna happen.
0: Well, we will keep following this issue and and see what does happen. Obviously, it's very complex, and of course, I don't follow religion closely, but you have for years. Is this at all surprising that this is happening within the Methodist church?
1: You know, it's happened within mainline Protestant churches one after the other. Presbyterians have had this debate. The, uh, The Lutherans have had this debate one denomination after another. Here's the thing. You can be pro-inclusion of of gays in the ministry and marriage and life of the church. You can can say, I don't think the scriptures condone that. Both groups are losing people, both groups. And uh, the Episcopal Church, after they split, You know, their their attendance, their membership has just fallen, 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 fallen. But that isn't unique uh, to uh, liberal uh, denominations. Uh, The Southern Baptist Convention is losing people, too. Churches, numerically, are in decline right now. And it's a problem. The the people in the pews tend to be older than the average American. And, um, you know, they're really struggling.
0: Well, Frank, thank you so much for your time. This has been great, and we'll definitely talk to you again to see to see what happens.
1: I'd just like to say one thing. If, if there are folks that have been listening today and they feel like I've gotten something wrong or I've missed a nuance or there's information that I ought to know, I would just really ask them to send me an email. I would love to hear from them. I'm dealing you know, with Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting next week. I deal with various uh, church meetings and I may have said to c- conference when it should have been convention or that sort of thing. So if there's anything you uh, can pass along as a listener, please do. I would welcome that. And I just I want to stress that uh, there are just wonderful, warm, welcoming people whether you go to a traditionalist church like Central in Fayetteville and I could name a dozen others or whether you go to a progressive church like uh, Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church here in Little Rock, you're gonna run into some loving, warm, wonderful people. And the important thing is traditionalist or progressive, doesn't matter, the potlucks are always great.
0: Well, we will include Frank's email in the description of the Capital and Scott podcast. And also Frank, we hope to talk to you at the Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim, California, or shortly after Coming you up get next back, week. Yep. a lot of religion news going on right now. So thank you so much. Thank you. With nearly 120,000 members, the United Methodist Church is the second largest Protestant denomination in Arkansas. There are about 6.3 million members in the United States. Thanks for listening to Capital and Scott. If you have any ideas or feedback for the show, you can contact us via the link in the description of the podcast on ArkansasOnline.com.